And the world's public enemies, Chuck D. In the noise. Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen, hope all is well, hope all is blessed, we have another interview for you to step to. But this one uh, was one of those unique ones where I was hit up about it. <laughs> uh, shout, out to, shout out to Ben um, from co-host of DITD, Digging Digits of course, um, who put me on uh, to uh, kind of like a tweet that... Um, I forget specifics, but um, basically he just uh, uh, tagged me in like a tweet about interviewing and uh, a few people followed me, a few eyes followed me on off the back of that and um, one ended up emailing me about it and uh, that is kind of just how we got here. Um, after talking uh, just back and forth and just sorting something out uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, we ended up uh, getting it sorted um, around this time last week uh, at the time of recording. Um, at, at the time of dropping, episode dropping actually. So who am I talking with? I'm talking with uh, New York born and bred, uh, currently travelling uh, on some digital nomad shit at the moment. Uh, no idea where he's at right now, but um, at the time recording he was uh, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, but yeah, we are talking to uh, queer artist uh, Yorni Blue. Um, who has a lot of experience in you know the songwriting spaces, which we really get into really fascinating stuff as uh, someone that you know doesn't really know much about the inner workings of songwriting and songwriting camps in you know the music industry is a very um, it's, a, it's a meat grinder basically. <laughs> so it's kind of the how, why I came away from the, uh, this interview with. Um, that songwriting is a meat grinder, uh, but now he's um, on his own um, in some ways. Uh, you know, do, doing it by himself in uh, doing it solo. Dropped an album last year, Midnight in Brooklyn. Uh, really, really, uh, uh, really dark kind of uh, kind of album, kind of like a dark R and B vibe. Um, but now he this year he's working with uh, another queer artist um, or queer producer, creative director, whatever, uh, photographer as well uh, in Amir. And um, is dropping uh, an EP um, in a while, uh, in a few months, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, he's currently dropping singles um, on the way to it, on the lead up to it. And uh, they are very, very, very bubbly um, and very interesting indeed. Um, so yeah, we are talking with Yoni Blue um, just about his beginnings, of course. Um, this is, I will preface this with the, and I, I say this in the beginning, but... Um, uh, we did actually record about 40 minutes worth <laughs> of, uh, of interview um, and then we had some technical difficulties so we had to just straight up uh, start again um, and uh, yeah so there are a couple of moments where you know I mentioned things and uh, you know you, you just it's unfortunate you're just not going to hear it right but um, we do try and cover as much uh, of the ground as we uh, kind of retread the ground that we covered um, and the ground that we made um, but also, you know, add in a few more, um, few more sprinkles of uh, interesting uh, tidbits in there. Um, so you know, it's all good. It's 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 honestly very solid um, in my mind. Um, and I'm, <laughs> if anybody's going to be critical of any of doing interviews, it's me. Um, at my own interviews anyway. So uh, yeah, uh, this won't be the um, last interview of the year or anything. Um, I actually 
um, as I record uh, tomorrow, I'm going to uh, London to record hopefully another interview and get that locked in. Um, so after you hear this one, do expect another interview next week. Uh, look forward to that. But for now, grab your snacks, grab your drinks. We talk with Yoni Blue about his beginnings, about songwriting, about his music, and of course, his top five. So with that said, grab your snacks, grab your drinks, kick back, relax, and I hope you guys enjoy. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yordi Blue, what's good, sir? How's it going? <laughs> Very sad. I'm, right gonna, now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be forthright. Uh even in the intro, I'm just gonna say like this is the second time we've done this. Yes it is. <laughs> we, we had some technical difficulties halfway through. Um so uh it's gonna it, it may it may not come off as uh, as fresh or as naturally uh as as it should um but it is what it is we we get we're getting the things out regardless all right we keep it we keep it pushing we keep, keep pushing. It pushing man oh, i'm sad i'm devastated all right let's go it's for all it. good it's all good all right let's let's uh, let's begin uh with the beginning and uh, i'm gonna stack them this time since you already know what they are <laughs> but, uh where were you born uh what, were you, what was your environment as you grew up and what were you like as you were growing up all right. Uh, born Bronx, New York. Um, raised between the Bronx and Virginia Beach. The environment was, uh, was really awesome. A lot of culture, a lot of good energy. Um, and I was very adventurous, very energetic kid, just trying to get my hands into everything. So music became the main thing. But I was, I was drawing, I was dancing, I was doing it all. So that, yeah. Oh, we you drawing? Wait, okay. Uh... I'm interested in the other stuff. Might as well give you some <laughs> new stuff now. I'm always interested in like how how people uh, obviously uh, yeah as as people grow up, there's always like interests that people are into. Um, some of them they're good at and they just don't pursue it for whatever reason. But some of them are just like you know just things that you're interested in. Um, so how deep were you interested in the writing and the dancing, etc., and um, the drawing and the dancing, etc. To, to draw it actually inspires a lot of my my music as well and then dancing and stuff I actually hung out at a lot of the dance studios in New York when I was a teenager I'm not a good dancer at all but um movement has always inspired me so I got to see a lot of really dope dancers now that are all like professionals running around with Beyonce and those people so I, I got to experience a lot of that early on and um but but singing and songwriting were the ones that that spoke to me the most so I kind of stuck to those that's cool. That's cool. Uh, when was the? Uh, well, actually, uh, on top of that, what was what was the kind of uh, music that you were being uh, uh, exposed to as you were growing up? So through my mom, it was all hip hop and R and B and Latin music. So she's a big Faith Evans fan, Whitney, Mariah. There was a lot of Biggie, um, a lot of Jay Z, a lot of Mark Anthony, a lot of early Shakira stuff. And then on my own, I was discovering a lot of like punk rock, Blink-182, Green Day. Um, what else did I like growing up? Um, all the pop stuff, obviously, Britney, Janet. Um, actually, my favorite artist as a kid was Usher. So that was like 
That, nice. that was my go-to. Usher actually was probably one of my biggest inspirations to get into music. So. Oh really? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, Usher's been in the news recently, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Oh yeah, he's stealing um, people's wives. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so supposedly, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I I I always find that I always find that stuff kind of fascinating in terms of uh uh like it's the performance my dude like it's not it's not like he's not gonna he's not gonna smash every woman in 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 the building you know what I mean but like, he might he's, he's... he just might he could <laughs> he could I mean he could like there'd be a lot of consent for for do to do so <laughs> but it's the it's the it's the application. Um, that I'm uh, skeptical of, but if anybody can do it, it's Usher. It might. It might be. <laughs> it's a. It's a great way to sell a show. Honestly, like the I, I'm in it, Vegas it, it, right it, now, I'm... and the billboards are everywhere. So it's a great way to sell. Yeah, the show. yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, yeah. There's 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 nobody that's winning more in these viral moments than Usher. Literally, no nobody else is winning uh, apart from him. Yeah, because if you just freeze the publicity as it is, you said you're in Vegas. Um, what's the experience of that big ass like LED dome? Because I see it in pictures and it don't look real to me. It looks like just and I, I never and I never know whether it's a, it actually got shown. Or it was just it was just someone just you know photoshopped some bullshit or uh, or or you know CGI or some shit like I I don't know but how was that experience of just seeing like a big ass literal billboards just looming over the city? It is real. It's huge. Okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> as I drove past it last night, it was it they were projecting the moon, so it looked like the moon is just <sighs> kind of sitting in the middle of the street. Um, I don't do yeah, drugs. Like Bruce I, don't, <laughs> I don't smoke or do psychedelics, and I'm glad I don't because that would have really freaked me out. Oh, um, gosh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's real. It looks really cool. But yeah, I just kind of saw okay. it in passing. Yeah, I see, I see the moon one. It just looks like that Bruce Almighty scene to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. It looks nice. Some, uh, it, yeah, it, it looks like it looks like something from Futurama, but um. But it, but it also gives a not, it gives off a vibe of like Blade Runner as well. Yeah, and I'm just <laughs> and I don't, I don't I don't see the world of Blade Runner as something that's uh, uh, applicable. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Vegas aside, um, <laughs> uh, you also uh, obviously mentioned obviously well you're obviously here as an ice and um, and and all of that, but um, uh, a frequent. Um, thing that came up in the uh, unrecorded side of the conversation uh or the unbanked side of the conversation is your songwriting yeah. um so when did that journey uh, begin for you actually well actually a, a question i didn't ask before what did come first this the the uh, the, the the vocaling mm-hmm. or just the actual songwriting itself so i think singing came first for sure just as a kid okay. and growing up singing um being a kid of the 90s and like the best voices of all time, Whitney, Mariah, Boyz II Men, Brian McKnight. I, I early on just wanted to emulate those people. Songwriting came in my early teens. I started reading through album credits and seeing the same names over and over again, Babyface and um, Candy Burris and these people and just trying to figure out who they were. And then as I began to pursue music that was in the era of like The Dream and Neo and a lot of the songwriters turned artists, Esther Dean, James Fauntleroy. So that's what kind of 
inspired me. And I was kind of practical at the time. Like I told you earlier, I wasn't much of a dancer. Um, and that was huge at that time. Usher, Omarion, they're all dancers. So I was like, well, I can't do that. So <laughs> what is my thing? Um, and songwriting seemed like an easy uh, crossover for me. I've always naturally been a good writer. Like I would turn in essays the day of and get an A. So I was like, maybe this is my, uh, this is my ministry. And sure enough, it was. Yeah. A's on deadline. There you can't, go. Can't relate, right. but you know. <laughs> Just for writing, don't not not math. I'm terrible <laughs> at math. Oh, no, they, they don't worry about that. Bad that's, at that's math. Fine, Bad fine, at technology, <laughs> clearly. So, you know. There we are. There we are. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. It's all good. Uh, but, yeah, um, the the songwriting, the songwriting, I guess, uh, it is it's something that obviously kids don't think about, right? Uh, maybe writing lyrics, but not the actual craft of songwriting, which I don't think, I don't think people when they listen to music as, you know, just general casual listeners, like the average music listener, I don't think they actually understand um, how much uh, effort, I guess, time uh, that goes into songwriting. Um, so paint, paint, paint me a picture of just um, how, uh, I guess, a, a usual on your own process of songwriting is and uh, what people actually, what are the things that people don't see, I guess, in that process um, that actually, you know, come through the record and it's like, oh, this sounds great. Well, actually involved a lot of effort. So right. could you paint a picture for me on that? So songwriting in and of itself is relatively simple. You know, you get production, you play an instrument, you write lyrics, melodies. Um, that's pretty much it, you know. But when you when you bring in the machine, the pop machine, the idea of like creating a hit record, that's when all hell breaks loose. And um, it really is yeah. an assembly line. Like, you know, there might be days where you come in and you write a song that day and you cut it and it's perfect and it just feels right. And then, you know, you move it along the line and hopefully it lands on an artist or if the artist is there with you, hopefully they keep it and, you know, put it on their project. There are other days where, again, they're just picking the record apart. You know, you might come back in the next day and they're like, we love the melodies, change all the lyrics. Or can you write new verses? Or we're going to send this to so-and-so to, to add new production. Um, mm -hmm. I, I worked on some records for her and the song that I actually ended up singing backgrounds on, it's called Hard Place. That record went through like, three or four iterations while it was just with us, you know, they, her team were really dialed into Lauren Hill and the miseducation project. And we're trying to pull elements from that project to make the song special. And every day it was a different record. Like we'd come in one day and they're like, can you do, there you go. Yep. Yep. I've been listening. I've been listening to the untitled album all week, actually. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they were really dialed into that project. So every day it was like, can you make it sound more like to Zion? Can you make it sound more like, uh, you know, whatever? And it can it can get really crazy. If you're talking about artists like Beyonce, songs can go through about 10, 10 to 20 revisions of uh, wow. just jigsawing different pieces. Like sometimes they'll send the same production to different writers and then right. put all those songs together to make one song. So. That's what people don't see. And I think that's it's so silly when people talk about who writes their records because at a pop level, even the best writers need a little help. Like you're making music to appeal appeal to the world. Like that's a lot of pressure to put on Nicki Minaj or Taylor Swift. They're gonna need co writers. They're gonna need people to come in and help refine stuff. So 
That's fair. That's fair. I feel like you. I feel like you. Uh, you, you don't. You don't know it, but you were sending the subliminal to people like me, I guess. Uh, but I'm just like, why are there 30 writers on this? It don't make sense. Yeah. Um. That's why, though. <laughs> that that is exactly why. And also, I mean, we're we're yeah. we're in a sample heavy culture. It sucks that there's yes. 30 writers on it, but it's it's good to know that more people are getting credited because so many people get sampled. Yes. And uncredited. Yes. And that's gross. Yes. So. Yes. No, no, definitely, definitely. As a as a as a hip hop student, it it does, it does annoy me sometimes. Even even when um even when there's no like producer credit, sometimes that happens. I'm just like, what what's, what what are you playing at? Um, you know, it's it's featuring this artist, and I know people. Some some artists do it just for the sake of you know first listen surprise feature kind of thing going uh, going on that one, um, but. It still kind of annoys me. It's just like, okay, well, featuring this artist, like, say that, say, put put that down, put that down. This this face and that. It's, um, it's a dirty at game. The most, yeah, yeah. At, at the most extreme, I feel like um, it should just have in the brackets. I produce by as well because I feel you know producers deserve that kind of credit um, on the face because uh, not many people looks at you know look at liner notes like you were talking about uh, album notes when they buy a buy a vinyl or etc. And that, that stuff is golden, especially when you consider how little, and this is a whole other oh, thing, yeah. but when you consider how little we get paid, like songwriters typically don't even get paid to show up. And you talk about for like a typical writing camp, I might be there for an entire week after an eight hour shift of my day job to pop, right. to hopefully get one song that I hopefully get paid on three years from now. And even then, if it's not a single, I'm probably not making any money. So like making sure I'm credited does something for me, even though, even then it's not a lot like... You can't pay your rent and exposure, but you could try, I guess. Yeah. So, so it's not like um, you know, being a lawyer. So, no, no po hour. Thing. No, no. It's it's rough. It's rough. So all of that stuff, it it definitely, it it, it at the very least, you know, credit your writers, whoever's a producer, songwriter, uh, artist, credit your writers, credit your producers, because uh, it's a dirty game. Yeah. So you're telling me that you could put in. You know the work that you were talking about, being in writing camps. Um, some we talked about um, in the dead recording that I'll I want to bring up afterwards is, uh, but uh, so you you just even even if that you know you you spend the time creating the whatever, um, you have a couple of demos and then if it gets scrapped, that's just it's just time wasted in in just your gone. in your case, I guess. Just gone, yeah. It's just there. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky if uh, they pay, they buy you some That's food, brutal. or they Uber you out. But most times, you're you're figuring out your way to get there, you're feeding yourself. You are, uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. It it can be fun work, but after a while, you know, you want to elevate. And I think um, right now there kind of is no middle class of songwriters. It's like you're either dead at the bottom, or you're making tons of money, and and there's really no middle ground because they're just it, it's an old system. It's a really old system, so. Yeah, no. Uh, I saw literally, a, um, obviously, with the Briar strikes and actor strikes going on, and uh, I saw a video of uh, someone, a reality star, um, of talking about, um, well, basically, fundamentally, you know, having a reality TV kind of union as well, because uh, when these shows ain't getting written uh, and these actors ain't acted in them, you know, networks and etc. just fill that shit with reality TV and. Um, as one anecdote someone uh, gave to me during that conversation on the group chat uh, they were saying like you know some people pay like 40k you know just to get the gear just to look the part 
and then hope to hope and pray that they get far enough um or you know capture the uh, uh capture the audience as much to get like a you know a podcast deal or something simple yeah. like that you know what i mean and just recoup yeah um Songwriters Union, anyone? It's, like <laughs> it's, it's tough, man. They're working on it, and I'm, 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 I'm sad that so many creatives are losing out in the writer strike and in the actor strike. But it's necessary to hopefully wake up some of these systems. Like I stepped away oh, from yeah. songwriting oh, yeah. officially a year ago because it was just like this is it's too heartbreaking because you're pouring out your heart. Like even if you're writing for other people, a lot of those songs sometimes are my real stories and experiences that I'm, I'm sharing. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So incredibly, you know, and. Yeah, we're just pushing for it. Um, shout out to the Hundred Percenters; they're a really great organization that's, that's trying to rally for songwriter rights. Um, and uh, you know, we're just trying to figure it out. But yeah, there's a whole world. To go back to the initial question, like there really is an entire world to it behind the scenes. So when when Stan Twitter argues about whether or not Cardi B or Nicki write their <laughs> lyrics, it's like these people. They, there's so much at stake financially. Yeah, they're not point. letting yeah. Nicki just it's... show up and write a song by herself. Like it's just not going to happen. You need to have people in there with credentials. So, yes, yes. No, that's that's a that's an interesting that's an interesting point to make, especially in the hip hop space. Is that uh, once you get to a certain spot, you just have to have that machine yeah. there just to keep you up. And um, yeah, is is it's a it is what it is. But um, you know, on that union front that you were talking about, like um, I, I'm a I'm a I'm slightly anarchistic when it comes to it as a as a as a sc- as a screenwriter is 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 kind of I'm I'm witnessing uh minor parallels between that where you know I've written for other people um I may have my name on the piece of paper on the front but it hasn't been made yet or anything mm-hmm. so it's kind of just there um you know and <laughs> and I'm just you know sitting here twiddling my thumbs going like oh what's going what whatever happened to that thing you know what I mean and uh even stuff I've edited as well of like edited scripts as well and it's just like hmm how did that did that happen no no nothing okay cool like you know you know you never see it again yeah <laughs> yes yeah. I've buried I've buried a lot of songs <laughs> oh, wild wild buried wild, a lot of wild, songs wild. but um you know that's why I mean I've done so much pivoting in my career that's why I've put work into being an artist because it's like, if I yes. if I can't sell it with just the audio, maybe I can show you what it looks like if you let it get out into the world, you know. And that mm. that's kind of I I did all I do all of this to kind of be my own commercial, so that hopefully you hire me for creative direction or songwriting or background vocal or at least there's some kind mm. of worth attached to my name coming in the door, versus like, well, here's a songwriter, let him help you figure it out. No, it's Yanni Blue. You love his record. You loved Midnight in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, or you loved Can't Compete or whatever. You, you, there's something. It's easier to point at what I'm doing and say I want that than me just showing up and trying to figure out what you want. And most artists don't know what they want anyway. So that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great point. That's yeah. a great point. People just some people just don't have that uh, that uh, that vision sometimes no. and need that need that and need the input. Um, We'll get to your music and uh, your journey so journey so far in a bit. But a question I just wanted to ask as a songwriter, because I feel like this is a um, I've I've asked this question a couple of times over the years, um, and I've always just found it interesting in people's answers towards it. And I feel like as a songwriter, you'd have a very unique perspective towards it. Um, but if there was any uh, artist's vault, right? So that includes just everything they've made, everything that hasn't been released. Like you just, you just had that, you just had the special key. You just, you're able to get into the vault, 
and just, you know, just bathe yourself into, you know, just like their, I don't know, vocal stacks or whatever, however minuscule it is, right? Just everything's there. Uh, who's What artist would you pick in terms of looking at their vault? Mm. Man, I have two answers. Um, okay, good. First one would be Pharrell. Mm. I think Pharrell um, is... Yeah, <laughs> that's a good show. Yeah, yeah. Pharrell is... Mm. is he is a machine when it comes to making music, and he has such fresh ideas mm. even 30 years into his career, and he's written so much for everybody. So just to kind of, you know, I mean, th- some of my favorite Pharrell songs are unreleased. Like, there's a lot of things that leaked in the early 2000s that I love, demos for Usher, Justin Timberlake. Um, so it would definitely be Pharrell. And then also Rihanna. Um, as an artist, Rihanna is just constantly... Just, just, just get that out of it, Get that out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just she just she demos so much, and she's an artist who really uh, takes a right. chance on songwriters and sounds and sonics and, it, and, and commits character-wise to all these different voices and personas. So it'd be just interesting to see, like, all the Rihannas that we didn't get to see. Hear all the Rihannas mm. that we didn't get to see. Just hear her takes mm. on cer- certain records. Like, there are songs that ended up on other artists that she's cut demos on like uh same old love from selena gomez was originally a rihanna record so i would love to like get into that record like you know just she's she's just Mm -hmm. she's taken so many risks so it'd be really cool to see just some of the places she's explored yeah no definitely i feel like um that's a very uh well-educated answer i feel like most people answer the question uh with just uh they have a big catalog and you can just imagine that they have more right um so like you know when I asked, asked a question on Twitter one time, there's, you know, a lot of uh, Dre's, uh, you know, producers mostly, mostly, right? And then it went down to, like, obviously Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, just, like, the legends and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, no, that's a very a very educated answer. I, I appreciate that. Pharrell, I've, I don't think someone said Pharrell yet, so that's a, that's a great shout. That's a very... He's a legend. Very solid shout. Yeah, very solid shout. Incredibly good. Um, but, yeah, moving on to uh, your just... Uh, journey so far um you've been obviously mentioning so far in terms of uh, songwriting and that's kind of been uh where you've been at for a majority of your career and now it's becoming more just you know doing your own thing being that solo artist and uh <laughs> I, I i said i said uh I had a little rant uh, in our deleted recording about uh, being a brand, but I was just about to say creating your own brand, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is great, outstanding. Um, so, in terms of uh, your some uh, well, in terms of your ice career, um, what was the actually? It's a question I didn't ask before, but what was the what was the pivot point for you when you were just like, uh, I've been doing songwriting. And now I want to do do my own thing. When was that pivot point for you? COVID. Um, COVID. Yeah, it was COVID. Uh, Everyone's pivot. Everyone pivot point. COVID. Yeah. yeah. COVID. COVID uh, was the was the major pivot point. I was seeing my career finally as a writer finally gaining traction, um, and then the world shut down, and I needed a way to continue to just let people know what I what I do to hopefully gain more more clientele. Um, so it started as that. I realized really quickly that I that that it worked. Like I was, con- I connected way more people as an artist, and I just was gaining a different type of leverage as an artist than I was as a songwriter. People valued me at a different level because, to use that that word again, brand. Now there was a brand attached to what I did versus like, 
you know, usually people introduce you, this is a really dope songwriter, and they just kind of push you in the room. And I didn't have any major credits, but now it's like, oh, no, I'm an artist. This is what I do. And you can listen to my stuff and say, like, I really want that. So that when, once I saw that, I was like, okay, there's something here. Let me pour into it more. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy uh, marketing stuff. I enjoy uh, conceptualizing worlds. And that is ultimately one of the dreams for me is to be able to creative direct for other artists. Like I, songwriting was kind of a, um, it felt like a, a tease almost because I'm there in the session, I'm conceptualizing the records, but I want to follow them through to the video shoot, to the release. And I wasn't being allowed to do that because I'm just, that wasn't the context in which I was brought in a lot of times. So with what I do now, I find more people are more inclined to bring me on board for the entire thing. And I think I prefer that. So I think in that sense, maybe I'm more of a creative director or project manager, but I wouldn't have known that unless I began releasing music. So it, it definitely unlocked so much for me as far as just really stepping into my potential of what I'm capable of as a creative. So you, you the the end goal for you, so to speak, is to literally just be, uh, uh, have have a have a say, so to speak, or just be involved in every part of the vertical integration. Where like you want to be, you know, helping writing the song, helping record it, and then helping visuals and everything to do with that as well, and actually getting it out there. Yeah. Hell yeah. And when I look That's at it, my, my heroes are people who have done that. Like Pharrell Williams has yes. been a, a part of some of the some of the projects that he's been a part of. He's been a part of in, in, in multiple tiers, whether he's just writing or producing, singing backgrounds, helping with the video. Um, I love Childish Gambino and the way that he's been able to create worlds as both Childish and Donald Glover, um, you know, extending into television and to everything else. So those are all things that I really aspire for. I'm a creative just period. And I think I, I sold myself short for a bit just being a songwriter. I remember my producer used to joke that uh, he said, one day people are going to pay you to just paint the sides of buildings. And I didn't understand what he meant. But um, I think what he was saying was it just like, I just create in every medium. And I think songwriting was just such a, uh, such a narrow place to put place myself. So as an artist, I've been able to really tap into everything and realize that there's an art form to all of this shit. Branding is an art form. Even even if it's a trigger word, content can be an art form. Marketing is an art form. Making merch is an art form. Like I, It is all fun. As long as you're making it from a place of intention, I think it can really be received in that way. If you're just trying to make a quick buck, more power to you, of course. We all got bills to pay. But you could tell the difference. And I think I'm trying to come from a place of like, hey, I really love this. Like, Let me figure out how to make this uh, just more. Like Right now, I'm on this road trip, and I'm documenting it. I'm, I'm doing a podcast as I'm traveling. I'm making music, I'm doing pictures, I'm, I'm doing art, like I'm just creating a full scale experience so that when I'm done, I can package this up and say like, you know, here is a project or here's an experience. Here is my trip up the West Coast. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm in Vegas now, but I'll be stopping, I'll be ending this leg of the trip in Vancouver and stopping in, in San Fran, Seattle, Portland. Um, so that's another extension, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was just a songwriter. No, no, incredible. No, that's good. Um, if you have any screen now, yeah, let me know. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, why, 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 why are you making the trips by the way? I haven't, I haven't asked. Yeah. Um, I burned out, I burned out songwriting, uh, as we talked about earlier, just 
it, it is yes. a lot heavier uh doesn't which we don't need to go into for the pod but like it just it's a hard industry and i think i um i felt alone a lot of times towards the end of last towards really most of last year as far as just you know you get to a space and you're looking around and you're like none of this makes sense and everybody's like no 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 see it through see it through and i'm like I don't know, like, bills aren't getting paid, I'm depressed, I don't like the music, so um, I did my project with The Mirror, which helped kind of revitalize me a little bit because it was more fun, and I know we haven't talked about that yet, but um, after that, I still kind of felt like a, well, what's next, and it was like, just get in the car and, and ride up the coast, let's see what happens, so I'm just in this place of just, uh, just trying to inspire myself, I'm trying to uh, put the art before the branding and the marketing for once, because usually... I start, I start with product and then I build content around it. But this time it's like, what am I going to make? And then we'll figure out what that is once it's, once it's done. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, so onto your music, uh, <laughs> you've been uh, very patient on, uh, it, it kind of, it, it's a, it's a healthy, I think, um, there's a healthy, uh, contrast already and uh something he said in our delete recording was the concept of eras i'd love for you to uh broaden on that again um but in the question of uh within within the question of um uh you have obviously your ep well such album whatever a uh, new project that you're gonna talk about later um but you also have you know projects uh projects in like midnight and brooklyn that have already been established and uh if if for those that haven't spun yet um just just know that when you spin midnight in brooklyn there's a different vibe from uh what the new stuff is yeah. okay so very it's a very pull you by the neck kind of jolt <laughs> thing going on there in terms of vibes in terms of what he's even said energy yeah. uh everything about it is extremely different um so Talk to me about the eras uh, concept that um, you you uh, alluded on previously, yeah, and uh, how they reflect in uh, Midnight in Brooklyn and also in your new project. Yeah, so I mean, nowadays people release music so quickly that it is hard to feel any sense of growth unless it's like intentional. They're intentionally putting on a new wig or a new outfit or whatever. But obviously back in the day we'd have four or five years between albums people would have real life things happening and you can clearly you can clearly look at a music video from michael or janet or whoever and know what project that's from know what era that's from and that's something that i'm, I'm very inspired by uh when i created midnight in brooklyn it was a it was an album that was about four or five years in the making and it encompassed me leaving new york coming into my first real relationship moving to los angeles figuring out who I was. And a lot of that project was created in anxiety and I won't even say depression, but just darker times in life of just hustling, trying to figure it out and being nostalgic for home, being in LA and missing New York. So I created a project that that spoke to that. Um, and it's dark, it's moody, it's a concept album. It, it There is a story there and, and eventually I need to work on, there was supposed to be a script and a comic book tie-in. Um, but coming out of that, I just wanted to uh, celebrate sort of being in a happier space and um, connecting with Amir. Last summer, through my music, through his photography, um, we were really excited to just kind of find each other and find um, somebody who spoke the same language. And the music reflected that. We just wanted to create something that felt fun. Um, in, our, in our other recording, I told you the story about my experience with the Renaissance album and how 
I pitched a bunch of records for the album during its different iterations, when it was a disco album, when it was a ballroom album, that were very intentional for Beyonce. And the one record that they did shortlist was a song that I wrote for myself. So that kind of gave me um, permission to say, you know what? If if me being if, if Yanni Blue being Yanni Blue is good enough for Beyonce, <laughs> it's good enough for the world. So um, yeah, just creating an album that celebrates queerness, that celebrates being black, being from New York, being uh, just free from a lot of preconceived notions. That is the era that I'm in now, and um, that is what the project that I'm releasing with the Mirror in the fall will encompass, and then. You know, what I'm going through now is, is going to be the next thing. And, and that's its own sort of, it's a little bit more raw. It's a little bit more uh, Lauren Hill unplugged. <laughs> and that's going to be another world that's probably going to like jar people a little bit. But why the hell not? Like, I'm an artist. Mm. You know, I should, actors are allowed to be different people, you know. And I, I yeah. think I'm, I'm yeah. growing. So that's a long answer. But, you know, there you go. You do what you can with that. <laughs> <laughs> I like detail. I'm here for detail. I'm here for long answers. Uh, feel free to just, yeah, just talk the whole pod if you want. Just ramble. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm here for rambles. That's you know, that's how, that's how people have regular conversations. Yeah. A lot of it is just you know rambling about stuff and opining and uh, and all, and all that stuff. Um, a shame because uh, we had a great title. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> I said I described so okay so so Mir yeah. and I our project is called Dream Big we're both big dudes so we just figured like you don't see like Lizzo is is the plus size pioneer in pop music right now we love her mm. so we just wanted to do something mm-hmm. similar for the guys um so the album's called Dream Big but the 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 quote was I said that our album felt like Beyonce's uh gay nephew Beyonce Renaissance I said uh Dream Big is the Renaissance album's gay nephew which is saying Absolutely. a lot because Renaissance is a pretty pretty queer album, but uh, you know we tried pretty to, freaking queer, yeah. We tried pretty to uh, one up her just a little bit, but yeah, that was the quote. Yeah, and you know we've gone thirty something minutes into this particular recording, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that you're queer. Yes, and um, that uh, and again, if you listen to music, especially recent stuff, yeah, it'd be very obvious. It's pretty gay, uh, but you know just for the sake just for the sake of the pod, yes, yes, <laughs> just for the sake of but just for the sake of record keeping, um, but. <laughs> Uh, how special, I guess, is that having uh, having someone uh, in a mirror that is um, in in a lot of ways when it comes to you know I like to see people um, in like uh, identity identity ladders where you know visually they're this and they may feel different about that. Um, but you know, it's obviously perception and stuff. But you know, then you, then you ask them, right? You ask like, "What are you about?" It's like, "I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this," and I'm assuming from how you're talking about me is that there's a lot of uh, parallels. Yes. And there's a lot of uh, things that you can, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of uh, relatability there. Um. So how special is that having that uh, relationship of you know of a collaborative partner that is so a lot of the same <laughs> in terms of your in terms of your identity and sensibilities it's huge and you know one thing i didn't mention in, in our in our first go round is the fact that you know there is obviously there's a huge push right now for queer artists and and um uh what's the word uh representation and it's beautiful and there's some amazing yes. artists who've who've broken through but when you look at urban music which has a long-standing history of like 
all genres have a long-standing history of homophobia, but I, I've navigated urban music, so there is an inherent, like, I mean, I grew up saying things I didn't like were gay. Like, I, I was part of the problem, too, you know? Um, or yeah, just yeah. people saying pause or no homo. Like, that is that is how urban culture and urban music shapes identity or kind of... Anyway, so I say all that to say that as I was navigating the industry, I was meeting people who very clearly had the same experience as me, but had already been taught or programmed to think that that was the worst thing they can be is, is out and open because it would ruin their career. I know people who've straight up said, like, if I come out, my career is over. So I navigated a lot of that just kind of staying quiet, you know, and even when I intentionally tried to be more out um, and more open, I would see people kind of just like doing this, like, <laughs> and it was weird. And, oh, really? Wow. You know, and, and, you know, we didn't mention this in this one, but, you know, I wrote for Empire was one of my first placements. So it was just like, you know, it was very gratifying yes. to write for like a queer actor playing a queer artist on TV like that. That was very gratifying mm. for me and eventually trying to push to write for more queer artists. But I still felt alone, long story short. Like a lot of it, I just felt alone. So when I connected with the mirror, it was like, okay, I can be my full self in this collaboration. You know, whatever that is, whatever I feel like I've been holding back. And um, we went for it. Like we, we pushed 110% because it was just like, we felt the safety to do so. And I didn't realize how repressed things were for me until that collaboration because, you know, at the end of the day, when you're just, you're a songwriter, you're, you're, you're extra in the room. They can replace you. So it's like, if anything I do is offensive or uncomfortable, I can be removed from here. But when you're the artist, it's like, well, this is my story. This is my music. And that is why it is so audacious. It just was that explosion of like, oh, I can say this. Oh, I can talk about this. All right, let's fucking do it. And, um... Shout out to, you know, I was able to write for some queer artists in the last, like, two years that really helped me walk into that space. Uh, Keenan Lonsdale is an incredible artist, um, actor who I've been able to write for who helped create space for me. Delon Burnside, same thing. Uh, Pyra, those artists really helped encourage me uh, to, to move into that space. And Amir just really helped me stand in it firm and say, like, fuck it. We're going to say the gayest shit ever. And it's going to still sound good. And, like... People hear some of the songs, they don't even realize what we're talking about because they just enjoy the music until third or fourth listen. They're like, oh, this is this is aggressive. This is kind of raunchy. And I'm like, <laughs> that's hip hop. Like Nicki Minaj is saying some wild shit. Like, why can't I, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, that's that's for sure. She's just saying some wild shit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like some, it's very, uh, that is something I feel um, that uh takes sometimes to for people to actually get over um that very brash uh stance on how 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 to say things to even say certain things right um on wax and you know i've listened to some nasty shit like i've oh lyrical like make you want to shower after you know what i mean it's just like why you, oh. pound town is a hit record right now <laughs> There you, there you go. Ex exactly. Shout out to Sexy Red. It's exactly. Right. Exactly. So. Right. Um, yeah. There was a there was a uh, track by Nezi Mamodu that I listened to like I think last year, and uh, it's called Menage. Uh, M e a m e n a g e. And oh, it's just a feel for your shit. Everyone, I'm just like, yeah. damn, it's great. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's it, I find I it, it amuses me because I'm just like. Oh god damn! This, oh, <laughs> she's just saying the freakiest shit, and uh, yeah. you know it's not something I'm like walking down, walking, you know, walking to walk down the train to get the train to, right? <laughs> like that. <Yeah. laughs> but, but maybe you someone what, is, what, right? It's interesting. 
with with exploring this stuff, I still put intention into why I was saying certain things that I was right. saying. So like okay. a record like you can't decided compete. just to say <laughs> Right, right. With the song like Can't Compete, which was me and Amir's first release, the yep. goal was Amir has has built his career off off photographing plus size bodies and okay. and really helping people find themselves in that space. So a song like Can't Compete was really just to empower plus size men, you know. Mm-hmm. A song like Damn Disconnected was to talk about like uh, queer culture and how a lot of men prefer to maneuver in in uh, deception and just trying to move away from that. And like each song sort of had an intention to show like Dope Boy Flesh was just like, let's celebrate queer love. Like what does a queer yeah. black love pop song feel like? So the intention has been there to just kind of empower people. And I think I was writing what I needed. Like I needed to be empowered. So I wrote those records. I wanted to feel confident coming out of Midnight in Brooklyn. So I just wrote songs that felt empowering and and you know just let them take me where they took me so even at their raunchiest the goal is really just like hey if you hear this just like feel like a baddie like if you walk <laughs> into the train strut a little bit just strut a little bit to the train why not you know listen to this in the shower like feel yourself like we deserve it like fuck it <laughs> yeah nah. uh, so these are the songs that that drake is secretly getting ready to you know when, when he's bad baddie drake this new drake we got with the with the braids and the paint this is drake's theme music Outstanding. Controversial take. <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, no, son, son, I, uh, I regularly say um, whenever like a new uh, like a mega project comes out, especially, um, I always have to reference uh, the first time I listened to Fever, and I was just like, oh, I get it now, because for as a cis hetero man, right, I, f- I feel like um, it, there's a lot of times, and th- there is a time, there comes a time. Maybe never a time for some for some uh, where you're listening to something that isn't for you per se, but you get it right, mm-hmm. and, you, and you and you you understand it, and you kind of embody it in the moment, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, and I listened to when I listened to Meg's Fever for the first time, I was like, oh, it all clicked. I just listened to it, and I was like, oh, I feel like a bad bitch, honestly. It's wild. I was like, oh, damn. So this is it. This is it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's real. You know, I love that you said that, though, because yeah. that's true. Like, making these songs, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by a lot of those women. They make me feel confident, but yeah. it's not necessarily for me. Like, so yeah, no, yeah, where's exactly. my version of it? Right. And even on the flip side of that, like, I listen to Larry June. I think he's one of the most, ins- like, I can, I can, I'm my most productive listening to Larry June because he's talking about sipping tea and counting money <laughs> and then like he'll throw in some 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 drug references and you're like, right. I'm not a drug dealer and I'm not a thug, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's just like everybody needs their, every what do they say? Every superhero needs their theme music. I think every every person needs something that speaks to them. So we were very oh, yeah. intentional with with this music to just like, what is the little queer chubby boy trying to figure out life? What does he need to hear to make him feel okay? just kind of walking through life and it's, it's super specific but it's like there's oh, yeah. so much music now you should be super specific because there's at least a hundred of you out there yeah and they need you yeah no, so no, no, no. give yeah. them something yeah certainly certainly i feel like this is a very good point um to be echoed that um you know something i as the the drum i always bang for um uh, when talking about music in any fashion um is just the fact that there are there are more than there are more than the people on the charts, guys. You know what I mean? There's there's so there's so many more flavors. Uh, I think I said that during previous recording where you know there there are that 
many flavors where you can be that specific and you'll find yeah. an, you'll find an audience it won't it might not be you know the largest audience ever but it'll be a very invested audience that will respect the fact that you even attempted to do that even if you didn't know going in that uh-huh. people ex- the people that there were people like you that existed so, yeah so yeah definitely um something always worth echoing and and also just you know listen to other people because you know it's always uh something something I think you mentioned before I don't know if it was this recording or not but um, I was thinking about uh I was thinking about just uh, oh yeah it was when you were reading liner notes and just reading uh the the constant oh this song uh, this songwriter did this oh this songwriter also did this oh crazy right and you start to think of that database right I was thinking yeah. the same when it comes to jazz musician musicians and. You know, seeing like a group that I've never heard of and then you actually go into it and it's like, oh, I've actually heard that person play the trumpet. I actually rate that. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, man, it's always, it's always interesting. I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people have the opportunity to do so in terms of exploring and finding those, finding these people. And uh-huh. um, they just don't for whatever reason. And, um, but you know, maybe it's laziness, you know. But anyway, that's my rant Fully, for you. Because <laughs> We have access to the entire database of the world, and people I mean, just don't look shit up. It's so I mean, lazy. It's what? It's full laziness. It's yeah. Okay, good, good. Glad, glad to. Glad to I agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you, brother. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. So that's a. Well, I usually finish up on uh, two questions, and uh, they're okay. re- they're relatively chill. Um. So you know, not nothing too, nothing too uh, uh, strenuous. Um. But yeah, the first one is um in your travels. Um, so, as so far, uh, what have you been spinning? Uh, what, what art have you been consuming? Films, museums, uh, <laughs> books, uh, music in general. Uh, what have you been spinning uh, that you would uh, recommend to the people? Yeah, so um, I'm traveling with uh, my partner, Mike Brown, who's also a podcaster. Uh, he does The Art of Letting Go. He's got an exceptional ear, and he's been uh, DJing for us this entire trip. So it's a lot of Mac DeMarco. It's a lot of Tyler. Uh, oh, did I lose you? I'm here. You see me? Okay. Sorry. My low power mode tried to try to take over the screen. Okay. Um, it's a lot of Mac DeMarco. It's a lot of Tyler, the creator. Um, but specifically what has resonated for me the most is the Lauren Hill Unplugged Project. Like that has really spoken to me. And I listened to it yesterday driving through Sedona, which is like beautiful. These big rock, red rock formations. Um, I'm in that space right now. I'm a lyricist first and foremost, so I'm, I'm with what, what I do next, following the the stuff with Amir, I'm going to really dive into just some real self-exploration. So yeah, a lot of a lot of really dope, moody R&B, pop rock stuff. Um, and then what I've been watching, complete opposite of that, tons of Marvel. I just keep re-watching Endgame every day. <laughs> oh, really? Wow, okay. Um, I just, I, I like, visually, I just... The colors, all the just everything going on keeps me pretty inspired. Um, so I do a lot of Endgame, uh, not just Endgame, but like I've been watching Secret Wars, not Secret Wars. What is it called? Uh, Secret Invasion, um, Disney Plus, Secret Invasion, and I've been rewatching Insecure. Nice, yeah, nice. What hive were you a member of? Oh, uh, for Insecure, yeah. You know, I'm rewatching it, so I'm, I'm reforming my opinions. I was Lawrence <laughs> Hive for a long time. Um, Rewatching it now, I think I still might be, but I'm only halfway through season two. But one thing that is very clear is that Issa 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 Rae is a villain. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, she is take. she is the antihero. Take. Um, I like that. Take. But I love her though. She's self destructive, and I, I see a lot of myself 
in that journey now rewatching it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a great, good take. I feel like that's kind of, that was kind of the point of the whole show is just like everybody has some trash in inside them and sometimes yeah. you see it um, and then sometimes you don't and sometimes yeah. they, you know, compress it and then it hits somebody else. Is yeah, it's a it's it's messy in a very human way, um, yeah. Which is yeah, it's it's why it's why I respect the show uh, deeply. It's a good show, um, but yeah. And binge watching it, binge watching it, you see how quick and how fast money hit everybody because like they were all beautiful coming in, but like four episodes in, everybody just got like gorgeous, and you're like, oh, like you're all just actively applying this money, like yeah. better makeup, better hair, like Issa Rae's trajectory needs to be studied, like. <laughs> She's a fucking bar. She's a Barbie now. Like she's in the Barbie movie. Like yeah. I aspire for an Issa Rae glow up. Yeah, no, it's, no that, that's facts. That's facts. <laughs> that's yeah. Facts. Uh, all right. The last question I ask everybody uh, is, uh, what is your top five? I always preface this with the fact that it's your top five. It could be whatever you want it to be. It can be as broad or as specific as you want it to be. The example I always give is it could be top five pasta shapes if you want it to be. It's all good. Okay? So, it's, okay. <laughs> but at the end of the day, top it's five. your top five. Whatever we want it to be, broad specific. So, with that said, what is your top five? You know what? I'll go I'll go top five uh, just idols, people I look up to okay. um, that inspire me. Um, Pharrell Williams is a big one. Um, just, you know, growing up between New York and Virginia his music scored a lot of my life. Um, I got a chance to work with him last summer and he was everything that I thought he would be. Um, and he just continues to inspire me. Um, so Pharrell, specifically for the fact that he has been himself so authentically his entire career, even sonically reusing sounds, re you know, just he's, he's built the world. So Pharrell is one. Uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino will be two. Um, I really am inspired by the way that he's allowed to just navigate every medium and does them at such a a, a uh, specific level to who he is. You know, Atlanta is just very uniquely him. His music is uniquely him. Um, next one would be Brandy. Brandy has been a big vocal inspiration for me throughout life, um, so I got to shout her out. Uh, Amy Winehouse has inspired me throughout my entire career as a songwriter and a vocalist and my last one since we just mentioned her i'll say Issa Rae. her journey from from web series to to hbo to just being a mogul i love all of that shit because i like i said i'm a creative in every medium in other other multiverses i've been a screenwriter i've mm. been an actor i've been all these other things so it's just like i i just admire people who uh I admire world builders. I think everybody I just mentioned are, are world builders, like people who, when you look at them, you there's a visual, there is a uh, there is a, a template of like you know you know Amy Winehouse, you know what you're getting, you know what you're getting with Brandy, you know. So these are all people that have really, really just inspired me to like stay in my lane. Outstanding, outstanding top five, really was solid. That, five? that was a good five. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's a good. That's a good five. That's, that's a very good five. Uh, Yoni Blue, uh, in my best Baltimore accent. Because uh, yeah, this is a side, side, side joke from our previous recording. Uh, only, <laughs> only understandable between you and us, uh, you, uh, you and I. But it's what it is. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, find that recording. I'm, I'm, I'm itching. To, once we're <laughs> off of this, I'm going to dig 
into Logic's ass and find that <laughs> other recording. But um, we definitely got this one. It's all so. good. It's all good. Uh, but yeah, man, appreciate you uh, connecting and uh, really appreciate uh, just the time. And uh, yeah, man, all the best for the project coming through. Um, Thank you. And uh, for everything else in the future. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for being so so cool about this uh, second go round. I actually enjoyed the second half a lot more. I feel like uh, we, we got into more shit. So yeah, <laughs> you know the lost episode. The lost episode will just have to be for the Patreon. You know, yeah, we'll figure it out. The lost tapes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time, man. And, and and your questions were really good. So I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Blessings. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my interview with Yorni Blue, part two, technically. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I said at the beginning, it's a, a very fruitful conversation regardless. And we really just, uh, you know, I think we covered the bases pretty well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, really, really glad that you hit me up. Um, really fascinating person on the face. And uh, yeah, I look forward to whatever, whatever journey and whatever era uh, he heads into next um, after this uh, after this little project he does with Amir. Um, looking forward to that uh, concept of eras. Um, I really just found that kind of fascinating that, you know, nobody does that anymore. Uh, well, people don't invest in that kind of thing anymore. Um, you know, you have the likes of Kendrick um, doing that. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other examples about just, you know, the one that came to mind. Um, but, you know, th- there's people don't put effort in that kind of creating eras like he said uh like you only said with the uh, you know likes of janet jackson and uh and michael jackson of course um so it's very interesting and uh i look forward to whatever era he enters next um uh, but yeah with that said ladies and gentlemen we shall leave it there from the fifth and podcast network i have been charlie taylor and this has been what's good Intro music was backstart by brock berrigan interlude was evening tide by Coopla and Philanthrope. Thanks to your music for being to use both tracks. You can find both of those links in the full show notes. And with that said, until the next time, until the next interview, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.